Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, it's happening again. It's happening again and again and again. Yes, today we are reviewing Lei Yanyek's, uh, is it Lei or Lee? Did I fuck Lee that up again? Yanyak. Lee Lee Yenyex, we just did this a week ago, but I already and we're going to be doing it next week too. Uh, Yeah, come on. Uh, Fear Street Part Two, nineteen seventy eight, starring Sadie Sink, Emily Rudd, uh, McCabe Seal, uh, Gillian Jacobs, uh, Ryan Simpkins, uh, uh, Ashley Zuckerman, Jordana Spiro, uh, Benjamin Flores Jr. Uh, You got some of the people from the first movie in this, as well as kind of the. Uh, framing device um but yeah anyways we reviewed fear street if you haven't listened to our fear street part one 1994 review please go do that first because we'll be repeating ourselves for fear street part two 1978 and please uh uh, please go watch the first movie because it would be very weird to just jump into this one without seeing that first one uh but if you didn't know unless you're that kind of person yeah i guess (laughs) uh netflix is doing a uh, trilogy event with these fear street movies so you have 1994 1978 and 1666 all being released like the devil um all being released one week uh, at a time, one after the other. So a three week event for uh, this trilogy, which I think is still a really cool kind of release strategy. Of but I think this, it also so. hurts uh, the trilogy as well, especially having now seen two of them and, and, and both movies being very formulaic and having that repetition with it. To be fair, I like the first one more than you. Yeah. I, I know, I but, but you, I, I don't think you can deny that the first and second movie are sort of the same film for the most part. It's the just part. a different location um, and sort of different sort of, you know, soundtrack and horror movies that they're referencing. But it's almost like, you know, we but talk- to me, to- I think it's lesser because just to jump right into it is just because what you're saying is, yeah, they, they are kind of mirror images of one another, but we got a lot of this story in the exposition and, and backstory and stuff. In but what, the I'm, but what I wanted to say to you is that sure. on, on uh, one of our recent sort of regular shows and also on the uh, spiral from the book of saw podcast, you talked about watching, you know, uh, all of the saw movies almost back to back to back to back right sure. and a lot of those films aren't made or designed to be watched that way yeah you know yeah, like yeah. if you watch them that way you're just watching the same movie over and over again and that's kind uh, of yes. what this is where if you have kind of a year or two break in between them you're a little bit more forgiving when it comes to that kind of stuff exactly you can, they can regurgitate the same kind of shit over and over again and you're not like oh my god this is i've watched this last week yeah you've had some time to sort of decompress and move on to other movies and other things in life and then you come back to it and you're kind of like oh yeah, yeah it was the same thing but you know, but you like, know I it's more the same it. but i had fun with it yeah yeah i get what you're saying yeah where this is like okay we just watched this movie last week and the one last week was slightly better uh yeah. in comparison um also- I think it it that movie doing 1994 did 1994 better and imitated 1990 slashers better than I feel like this movie does 1978 and imitates you know what we talked about in our first review thinking that it was going to imitate 70s and 80s 
slashers. Yeah. Now was, was this scary for you because you usually no. don't step past anything point like 1995? Yeah. Stop, shut up. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's only partly true. That's kind of an ongoing thing. You're like 1978. Like, oh, I don't gosh, know if I can handle I this. <laughs> that's why I didn't like it. Anything before my birthday, I just can't do. I'm done. I'm out. Um, it's too old for me. Um, no, but like, I think that's, I mean, maybe kick it off of the premise. I mean, we kind of discussed part one and this just gives more backstory yeah to- i mean let's it's like you said so so 1994 is basically a f- sort of a framing device narratively speaking now and you know we we flash back to 1978 the summer and sort of you know we learned a little bit about this in the first film where you know there was a summer camp massacre uh at nightwing camp summer camp a sleepaway camp and basically it takes both the um shady side and uh sunnyvale um you know kids and sort of pits them against each other in this game of capture the flag which is probably the bloodiest version of yeah. capture the flag uh because unbeknownst to most of the camp counselors and you know kids that are there um they're basically sort of uh, you know, uh, above uh, the sort of the witch's mark and sort of underneath them is basically this labyrinth. And um, yeah. again, a lot of this has already been referenced, you know, Sarah fear being the, uh, witch, the witch that's put a curse yeah. on shady side and not Sunnyvale. And, um, you know, the kids of Sunnyvale sort of paying the consequences of, of, you know, past actions of uh, the, you know, shady side yeah. sort of community, which I'm sure we'll learn more of why the curse has been put on this one town in, you know, 1666. Yeah. Um, but and we did get the killer from this film in the first film. Yes. Like, basically because you the, had the collection at this point, uh, right? Yeah. You like, had the villains of the three movies all in the first one. Right. So this one being the ax killer with the mat, like the almost uh, potato bag, mask or potato sack yeah and which is again a a direct reference to friday the 13th part two which is where jason gets his mask right yeah jason has a sack on his head and is living a hillbilly life in the forest um the good life yeah camp crystal lake uh yeah because a lot of people don't realize that you know jason didn't get the hockey mask until part three and he wasn't even really in part one <laughs> no because it's his mother yeah, um, yeah that's doing the the killing sarah Voorhees. and then part three it's just also funny to know that like it was an accident that he had the uh the hockey mask because one of the production designers brought it in a bag of gear that he had with him and said hey why don't we try this and then that's how it became and now an iconic, iconic image, yeah right wild yeah. um and then also it's also funny because the guy who becomes this mass killer his name is tommy and then tommy jarvis in the friday the 13th series who was played by uh uh cory feldman in part four and the beginning of part five uh was one of the few character recurring characters in that franchise over three films and then in part six which is the best friday the 13th in my opinion uh jason lives uh is played by tom how dare you Jason X in space. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, Tom Matthews from uh, Return of the Living Dead. So, um, yeah, like again, like it's it's very blatant in its references. But the problem I had with this, like I had with ninety four, is that it is fatalistic in terms of you know characters get horribly massacred and you you <clears throat> are supposed to care for them because they are given yeah. moments of sort of. Um, 
you know, you, you care about them, but at the same time, you kind of know, like, as soon as they have their kind of like thoughtful, vulnerable moment, yeah. they're going to be axed, axed off in the face. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you look at all these movies that were being made, you know, even before Friday, the because th- Halloween and Psycho and Mario Bava's Bay of Blood were all before Friday the 13th, which kind of kicked off like, you know, the slasher, like the way that Die Hard movie was like Die Hard on a boat, Die Hard in yeah. a hockey arena. It was just slasher this, slasher Yeah, slasher that, yeah. based on this holiday, you know, yeah, New Year's yeah. Evil or April Fool's Day or things like that. And Friday the 13th obviously was – the, the the series that went from 1980 to the end of the 80s and so like obviously that's going to loom large on that but you also have things like sleepaway camp and and, and other movies sure but yeah all those movies weren't thinking about character they were just literally thinking like yeah of the ways that these people could die gruesomely and how in this, creative ways in creative whatever, ways yeah. and how the studio could make a buck because like again you look at friday the 13th part two there's a guy that is in a wheelchair who's a very nice guy yeah. and he gets brutally like yeah. axed, uh macheted in the face yeah and goes yeah, down like yeah. this flight of stairs in part two and that's horrible yeah and you're thinking to yourself like why there's no rhyme yeah. or reason it's just there because it's a cool kill yeah like there was never ever any thinking of like oh like this character you know has value and they did the same thing again in in, in part four where they killed a pregnant woman like the movie didn't care that these characters had you know lives or or thoughts they were one dimensional anyways but these this movie fear street and and these two it, films yeah they they're more thoughtful towards the characters which i think also hurts yeah, it tries to has it have its cake and eat it too, right? Like it tries to kind of like, oh, we want to be that kind of, you know, sleepaway camp Friday the 13th, just teens at a summer camp. Who cares about them? Let's just kill them off in interesting ways. Promiscuous then, sex, a lot yeah, of drugs, drugs a- yeah. angsty adolescence. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff that you'd come to expect from a, you know, a, a movie at a um at a camp, but that where all the kids are getting killed off but then because it's part two of a trilogy and it's trying to build up the lore and try to kind of have this through line throughout all of them i feel like it kind of loses it and and again i was super intrigued after the first movie um again i don't think it's anything spectacular but i thought it really kind of nailed the 90s slasher vibe and had i had a lot of fun with it and i thought there were better character moments in that first movie between that cast than there is in here i just thought there were more enjoyable kills that were a little bit more creative i felt like um having you know you almost put you, the, everything in the kitchen sink in that first movie by having or everything know, the, in the bread slicer yeah exactly um and then where you have all three kind of uh villains or killers in that first movie we kind of already learned that there everyone here was murdered we learned that you know uh ziggy berman's sister and i mean gillian jacobs like sister was killed like it's it, it has that prequel syndrome where it's just like there's I no suspense know, because you yeah, know what's happening i know exactly I know she survives. I know her sister dies. These aren't spoilers, everyone. They were in the first movie. Um, we know what kind of happened at this camp. We've already seen the axe killer in the in the first one. Sure, we don't know who that is, and we don't those need emotional to. like that origin yeah, is just lame. It's just kind of whatever. And 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 I think all the kills in this just didn't feel as 
interesting or creative. They felt more nasty, even though the first movie is quite nasty and it, it kills off. You know, one thing I liked is I didn't know who was going to survive and who was going to die out of that main cast of of, of kids. And here's kind of the same, other than you know the two sisters, you kind of know their fate. But um, I just felt like the axe kills were just kind of they just felt like boring or lazy to me. Like in the CGI um, blood and the CGI axe like gore just felt kind of janky to me throughout it and just like it it was very brutal and very gory um but just none of that really worked and then when you're trying to build the lore of sarah fear and the possession of the witch and uh, of of everyone it's just i don't think it really added anything to anything we got in that first movie like i was intrigued and i wanted to kind of see where they would go but this one really feels more like oh well we did a 90s slasher let's do you know a 70s 80s uh slasher at a at a camp because that's a a big slasher trope and if we're going to make a trilogy of slasher movies or, or or something like that let's we got to have that in there and then to me that just feels like oh well it it feels more like they're relying on the gimmick of these three movies and this felt like one that they had to make rather than um they really had a good story to tell in this. Cause I felt like everything we got here, we got an exposition in the first movie. I feel like you probably could have just had 94 and 1666. Cause like those feel a little bit different being maybe like a more Gothic, not Gothic, but like, um, oh, what's the word? That I'm you know, I would, for, I would say, like, yeah, I would gothic, say Gothic, like, like almost yeah. like, again like that one you know we haven't we haven't watched it we yet we haven't seen it but there but, is a teaser in this one and i like the gimmick that they're going to have yeah they're going with the crucible right or the witch yeah. or the salem yeah. witch trials in in, in that but even how they're using bit. the cast in the in the next one which i don't know is a spoiler or not but like that's really interesting to me or kind of like well, that, they have to, I guess, to wrap things yeah. up, right? Because that's yeah. the other thing I'm thinking of. Like, are they going to actually conclude this with the third one? Because it almost feels like, you know, what my theory is, is that they're going to reverse the curse. I think they're yeah. going to put the curse on Sunnyvale by the end of sure, that. And that's right. kind of like, like even in, in the first one where they wrap the bones in the Sunnyvale um, jacket, you know, the, right, the, right, the sports right. jacket um, kind of feels like, okay, like that's going to be the joke because you got to think like also RL Stein, like a lot of his books in the series always kind of ended on like a weirdly kind of comedic, mischievous kind of note yeah one that was either sort of you know dooming the the main character or characters or one that was kind of like a reversal of of what happened you know something yeah. like that so i have a feeling that that might be you know sight unseen and i haven't read the books either um would be kind of I, like i've heard where from people end. that these don't really have much to do with the books at all okay so <laughs> it's its own thing yeah. but it is interesting as well like you know you're talking about you know it things that don't work with it i also feel that like this should have been shot on film like i think this could have been, yeah. been a little bit better if it was shot on 16 millimeter and and been that, super you know, grainy and like grungy yeah. and gross yeah. and that would have added at least a layer of disgust that i think this movie needs because the digital kind to of match look the period too is yeah. too clean it's I agree. it's it's too clear looking everything's in focus it doesn't really kind of put you in that period and it's the same problem you had in the first one of feeling a bit too modern with the dialogue yeah. and how people were talking and I, f- I felt like this movie had that problem as well on top of that i felt like it was trying way too hard to also 
reiterate that it takes place in 1978 where some characters are talking in a way where I'm like, did people really talk like that back then using like kind of corny words that people know from that era and stuff well, like that? Well, it's because it's that, people like, who are writing this now that yeah. grew up watching yeah. those movies then movies. that are yeah. writing it instead of, you know, people that sort of, you know, were of that era. You're right. Yeah, exactly. So- and that's, and that just st- stood out to me. And that is that weird blend of it feeling too modern and then also feeling modern on top of that because it feels like someone writing about 1978 and doesn't feel like someone who actually like you're living through that in that moment. Like it felt like people from 2020 imitating 1978. And that's never a good sign in a period movie like this where in the 90s one I felt like, yeah, and this movie has the same problem with the music as well, where it's just like a little bit too much at that first well, half of the movie. Well, it's also just uninspired. Like, I think yeah. a lot of a lot of the songs that are used are it's basically from that era. It doesn't necessarily well, not like, not even that. I I think that the songs are just like there's there's no deep cuts. There's everything is like I mean, yeah. surface level in terms of like you get Cherry Bomb and Don't Fear the, don't Reaper. Fear the Reaper, and then yeah. also Neil Diamond's you know Brother Loves traveling salvation show which was in once upon a time in hollywood and wasn't that so distracting yeah it kicks off this movie much like it kicks off hollywood and it's just like man you would have like this movie was being made after hollywood came out i'm like maybe choose a different song like i get it but i don't know yeah i i I would say the other interesting thing about this film in in terms of what it maybe could have been i know that like uh, Lee Eniak, you know, direct, has directed all three of these, but she was originally only going to direct ninety four and uh, sixteen sixty six uh, yeah. with because Alex uh, Ross Perry was going to direct uh, weird <laughs> the second one. Yeah, but you know what though? I think I almost his yeah. mean kind of like he has a mean streak to him, and his characters can be very caustic. Um, so it would have been interesting to you know, have him sort of write those characters in a way. And, and, you know, we talked about Maya Hawk being kind of, again, being picked from the Netflix pool. You have Sadie Sadie Sink from Stranger Things as well, kind of as sort of the, the troublemaker teen. The most interesting thing, the best part of this movie, or at least what I wanted to follow more was Gillian Jacobs. I actually really liked the obsessive compulsive routine and the world that she kind of right, built with all the for different herself, like alarms and stuff and isolating herself. Like yeah. that was the stuff that I found more interesting overall um, in just that character's story and like what she had been doing ever since then, you know, like that to me was much more sort of a focus point, you know, and then again, it's only used as a framing device and you're just kind of like, oh, this sucks. Do you think she's probably in, you know, 1666 a bit Yeah, more, she'll probably right? get you killed gotta, at the And you got to think it. that, yeah, you got to think that 1666 is probably going to be, you know, kind of a mix between 94 and 1666, right? Like, I, I feel like you got to tie up the 94 stuff. And so I, I don't know. Yeah, like, and then yeah, I just felt like this felt unnecessary. Like even you saying that she was supposed to just direct, you know, the first and third ones kind of makes sense to me. Cause this feels like the one that just feels like mostly, you know, if I guess if you were hugely into the lore of fear street after these are all over, I'd go, Oh, number two kind of fills in a little bit of the backstory of what happened at the, the camp and stuff. But like, I'm, I'm really curious to see after we watch part three, 
if you could just go, yeah, you could probably just watch one and three. (laughs) Right. um, But then again, like with the gimmick of using a lot of the actors from both of these movies in the third movie, um, I think is kind of interesting. And I guess that's where your through line is. And then that's maybe what will make this movie feel a little bit more quote unquote important when it comes to the trilogy as a whole. But like right now, as I as I'm watching, I'm like, it, I agree with you. Like it with the cinematography, it just it, it didn't feel like from that era. It felt like I was watching a modern imitation. It, it basically like it looked like place, an episode like, of Supernatural, where they do episodes where they're they're period based, and like that, like digital cinematography really hurts stuff like this because part of the fun of watching, you know, a lot of those movies, and again, they're 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 very shallow in, in what they're sort of accomplishing, but there's something now looking back at those films that are, you know, 30, 40 years old, mm-hmm. um, that there's this ar- archival aspect to it all, um, where this doesn't have that. It just feels like, Oh, this is a Netflix slasher movie doing, you know, 1978, you know, or, or that era of, of slasher films. And it just kind of looks but even other than the music and maybe some of the clothing, you which they couldn't afford tell. the music like, for a lot of these, yeah. like a lot of those films, that right? You, you so know. those films didn't have that shit, right? No. So you're even kind of it takes uh, you out even yourself- further. Yeah, I agree. And completely. even some of like the not it's not body horror, but like some of the kind of like gore, the the gore, but like the you know Mother Earth being entangled. Oh with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that also should be something of sort of value, but it never really goes anywhere other than it's just kind of, there's some gross practical effects that are kind of augmented by CGI. And then on top of that, you also like, they're not going to go back to the 1950s. So they're not going to have the, 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 the Ruby <clears throat> lane character explored in any way. So they kind of put, you know, that character's backstory in this as well. And sort of having one of the characters investigating the witch's mark and sort of where that goes early on. But even like thinking about, um, the relationship between, you know, Ziggy and um, Nick and how like it's weirdly inappropriate and it's touched upon being inappropriate, but then it's just never talked about again. And then even watching the Shady Siders be massacred as, you know, the the Sunnyvale kids just kind of like look on. It's It, it almost becomes comical in a weird way. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, like the, these other kids don't even have to worry. Like they didn't even have to <laughs> leave. <laughs> We're good now. Like, let's yeah. just finish camp. Yeah. Yeah. It was um a bit disappointing for me overall because, like, I, I did, you know, thoroughly enjoyed the first one. I just felt like this was kind of a letdown where it was more of the same, but the time period, I think, didn't work as well. Uh, I feel like, you know, where they sort of nailed 94 in the first one, I feel like they did not nail 78 at all to me. And, um, just didn't find the cast as likable. Um, I didn't find their chemistry as, as good as those first group of kids. I felt the kills were not as interesting and I felt like the first movie did be- a better job at building, you know, the lore and the, and the, and the stuff. And we learned most of this story in the first one. I mean, there's not much to it other than everyone got murdered at a camp and it's just like, yeah. And you're supposed uh, to care about the sisters and you really don't. Yeah. And there's no suspense no. there because you know what's going exactly. to happen. And then when it does happen, and even though it is brutal at times, it's the, the, the kills aren't memorable. Like again, you know, a year from now, you probably won't remember too much about fear street, part one 1994 but the thing you will remember is the 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 bread slicer kill yeah. and that's the same thing with a lot of 
you know, these movies, you know, they, they usually you have one, one or two super, yeah. graphic kill or something that's kind of inventive, like, you know, the sleeping bag being thrown against the tree or, you know, a kid standing up on, you yeah. know, like stand, uh, doing like a, a head flip and then being cut down or like yeah. someone's eyes being gouged out in 3d. Like it's it, like, those are the things you remember. It's not necessarily the plot or the characters or anything like that. And, and fear street part two, 1978 doesn't have a memorable kill or sort of a memorable scene. Like it just kind of feels just like dude slashing people with an ax. Yeah. Right? And but... even then it's not, it just, it doesn't really leave a lasting mark or impression on you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't leave anything to your imagination either, which I think sometimes hurts a movie like this too, when you go full gory and like the axe strikes just literally, and you have to rely on CGI and a little bit of practical effects. But like, I don't know, I just didn't find that any of that, it just looked nasty and gross, but like not in like a, again, a creative way at all. It just felt kind of, it just all happened. And again, it's got that prequel thing where I'm like, I'd, I'd be interested to see like if you would have rearranged these movies and did them in chronological order to let this story play out. I guess that's less, I don't know, creative, but like it would have made this story. If this was the, I feel like if you did 78, then 94, then went back to 1666, then maybe you have something that way you can still but do then it the a framing bit device for 78 would be weird because <laughs> I know what well, then you have edit, to you'd have, have to restructure that, that right? yeah. you'd have to restructure it and even if the, it was just a straight up one of 78 but then you kind of had I don't know you could have had some sort of framing device still with the characters that you would have seen in 94 but you don't get the story of 94 until you they already know about the events of 1978 or something like that or maybe yeah. I don't know what you do but like Maybe that would have felt, but then maybe 94 would have felt even more, you know, kind of like, oh, we already got this in the, 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 in right. Because if they kept so. the framing device in and then the two kids that come into sort of Gillian Jacobs's home, yeah. um, you, you kind of know, okay, like, well, th- these other characters are basically going to be killed off. Like there's, there's, right. you'd have to, less of an you'd, impact have to re, you'd have to rearrange it somehow, but I, I just, I again, it just goes back, and I think you know some prequels. The best stuff, Better Call Saul, I'm watching, and like there are some really great prequel things that you know the outcome of the characters, but they do a good job giving you, you know, more to them. Where these are all new characters for the most part. We only knew a little bit about you know Gillian Jacobs' character at the like kind of throughout, but it's not even that you're like learning more other than Sarah Fear, I guess. But like who I guess is you know. But again, we already kind of knew everything. So I don't know. I go back to being like, I don't know what this really added. And it just kind of uh, that being said, they leave you on a teaser for the next one. And I go, okay, this feels different. Like I like the gimmick of using the cast in the roles um, throughout the the next movie. And and, uh, I'm kind of in like I'll still I'm still looking forward to watching the third movie, but I didn't really care for this one at all. Yeah, and and I actually do like the idea of uh you know a, a trilogy of films going backwards instead of forwards. Like yeah, it, 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 it usually when it comes to you know long franchises, there is like one or two within the series that is either a prequel or yeah. has a flashback that brings up something that you know 
is is basically retconning something they usually that have a revelation yeah or, retcon yeah. or or kind of introduces again like Sarah, like there would have been like if this was like children of the corn there's one where like you know it introduces kind of the idea of the origins of the story like you know if you have these long running series there always is a prequel film <laughs> in 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 the franchise but um it is interesting to go back instead of forwards and 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 see how things kind of you know became what they are and ultimately i am curious to see how this ends because it feels like okay like are they just going to wrap it up with you know 1666 or are they going to have kind of like a, another kind of framing keep going device to different time periods keep going to we'll, different we'll also just or... have like a framing device that goes back to 94 that kind of maybe wraps yeah. up what's going on there because it kind I of think feels you do and like and i don't yeah like we kind of got a tease on on that at the end of this movie right but and i don't know if it's like if we are just seeing it from their like the characters from this first two movie, but it is the literal events that happened in 1666 or it is it some weird time travel business or, or what, like that they can change things or learn things of how to end the curse. Like you're saying, but well, cause she, I um, mean, in this, there is that important moment where, yeah. uh, sort of the, you know, the main character Dina bleeds on, mm-hmm. uh, the, the hand, right. And sort of yeah. has now a connection to Sarah fear. So that direct connection where it almost, again, like thinking of, um, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but just based on the trailer, like, you know, last night in Soho as well, like the idea of like right. kind of like, or, or, or quantum leap being able yeah. <laughs> to go back in, in, into somebody else's body and sort of see, yeah. you know, the experience is almost like this kind of like VR right. thing or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting to me. And I think that's a cool way of, of having that third movie connect. <laughs> but what songs two, will but... they use in 1666? Yeah. Uh, what was popular back then? Turn what your butter the... hard. Yeah. That's one of my <laughs> yeah. favorites. What was on the billboard charts in 1666? Cause they'll just take the five top billboard hits and just throw them in there. Um, yeah, I'm curious of uh, of how, how that will go. Maybe it'll just be a complete um, score by Beltrami and um, and whoever he's collaborating with in the third one. But um, yeah, I'm still intrigued by the trilogy as a whole. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this third one. But um, I'm going to give this one a uh, I'll go two and a half. I just like it just didn't quite do it for me. I gave it a two and a half on letterbox, but the more I think about it, I think I'm just going to give it a two because like, it just yeah. like, it truly does feel like it's, you know, I could be swayed to go to, but in I'll a series of films, this is probably the most like forgettable one of, yeah. you know, this, this franchise anyways. And I, I, I also will be curious to see if this goes on afterwards. Like if they continue to do like, you know, other fear street based stories, if this is popular enough, mm-hmm. because I think part of why Netflix sort of decided to, you know, green light this is, you know, Netflix has a lot of programming each and every week films and television and, and what have you. And a lot of it kind of quickly is forgotten about because there's so much quantity of what Netflix is sort of giving out each and every week that I almost feel like this has become like a talking point because you're getting, you know, uh, a new movie every week, not dissimilar to the way that, you know, Loki or a lot of stuff on Disney yeah. plus has been, it's been a released. hybrid almost of television and, and film. Yeah. Right? And which is what Netflix is kind of is. Right. So it, it really kind of makes sense for them to be like, it's almost a three part mini series, but they are feature length films. Um, so it's this kind of weird hybrid thing that I could see them experimenting more, 
in the future. It's kind of like what BBC does a lot too, with like the Sherlock show and, and things like that. Like all of those are almost feature length films and then their episodes of their season are only like three or four episodes right like yeah because um, european sort of television in general is like that where um you know you, you get like a season of a show um and whether it is 90 minutes i mean you mentioned sherlock or or sort of like almost a a season but almost sort of divided as if it were a film like I even think of the original upstairs downstairs and then if it does really well it gets a season two, but it's almost more like a sequel than it is a season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't necessarily come like, you know, the next year it, it might be and a that's couple kind of, years I guess, away. streaming, streaming in a, it's such a weird, interesting time, right. As everything's changing when it comes to, you know, movie theaters are, are slowly coming back, but then streaming is we've had, we've talked about streaming constantly on the main show untitled movie podcast, please go subscribe. Um, but like uh, we, we talk about it constantly of this ever changing kind of industry and like, and, and what is, you know, we just make the joke about everything is content, but like, what is a film? What is TV? Like a streaming show, like an eight episode series, six episode series, 10 episode series. Like, does it a lot of the times you're getting even, you know, feature film directors going over to quote unquote TV, but it's streaming and it feels like a long movie that's split up into eight parts. And then like, was that always what television is? But television was always episodic, but now, there you're getting things that literally just feel like you know a long movie and and so this is an interesting concept of going well yeah it's sort of a a three-part tv show but um each one they do feel like films though i don't want to like say that like each one even though we might not like the look or the the feel of them and, and things like that they don't feel like um but they do though it, it kind of they i mean like to your point that you're making like they they are uh in terms of production value higher than say you yeah. know like a three-part episode of goosebumps but they do also feel like a three-part episode yeah, of goosebumps, episode of goosebumps where, goosebumps, like yeah. the haunted mask is a standout one because i love the haunted mask it, it's great and there was another one as well um that i cannot remember the name of but it was basically like this sort of miniature village or town uh that this one girl gets and it basically sucks her into the miniature village and um she has to sell lemonade to all of these people um and then sort of like the main villain of the piece keeps sort of um bringing in other kids that she she knows and like each episode is from the next kid the, oh trilogy the yes, goosebumps yes. trilogy yeah yeah, yeah. cuz i remember the lead actor or the guy who's kind of like the villain in that um played spunkmeyer uh in uh aliens and i just always laugh every time i hear private- three three parts squeal of fortune strike 3 or doomed and escape from carlsville and yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what it reminds of, me yeah of. exactly and like uh i love horrorland as well was a, a favorite of mine and the horrorland computer game i bring up all the time because um Jeff Goldblum. so yeah jeff goldblum and isabella um, rosalini rosalini are in it and it's so weird it's so weird uh goldblum plays dracula and um it's just and it was directed by uh uh someone too that i know um god it was such a weird uh is this the game yeah well it has adam wiley eric lloyd Isabella Rosalini, Jeff Goldblum is directed by Lawrence Guterman, who went on to direct Cats and Dogs and Son of the Mask. 
Well, it makes sense because Jeff Goldblum is in Cats and Dogs as well. Yeah. So anyways, the I, I mean, yeah, I love R.L. Stein. I would love to see like I, the Goosebumps movies were weird to me because they didn't really feel like I would have rather them adapt some of the stories from Goosebumps rather than, you know, I, I, I think the first one's fine with Jack Black. But like um, I really, uh, really love Goosebumps. Yeah, and I, I mean, would the love, only like, character a, that really stood out in the movie in terms of like R.L. Stein's creation was Slappy, right? Yeah. Like, because Slappy is such an iconic character. But because I think Haunted Mask and Horrorland could be like really cool if you do like or some Night sort in of, Terror Tower. That yeah, was, yeah, like that was I remember another one where kind of like it was a really fascinating sort of uh, trilogy or two parter, or felt like a yeah. feature almost. Um, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I'm trying to think of other Goosebump books that I loved, but uh, Monster Blood was always good. Attack of the Mutant, if you want a superhero kind of thing. Yeah, the Monster Blood ones were so many of them. The slappy ones, af- I think. Were I the think best. why I'm afraid of bees is why I'm afraid of bees. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is that the guy that eats um, the bees? Yeah, I think so. The the cover is just a human head on a bee body. Oh no, no, no! Like- I'm thinking of like um, the teacher who's a monster who eats. Right, right, right. Did you ever do the choose your own adventure ones? Those were fun too. I don't think I did. Good shit. Loved, loved goosebumps. Anyways, uh, we'll be back for Fear Street Part 3 next week, 1666. So stay tuned for that. Um, If you like this, we have other reviews we would love for you guys to check out. I hope you already listened to our Fear Street Part 1 review because you should go in order. Um, But we also have reviews up right now for Monsters at Work, the first two episodes. Uh, we have a review from The Tomorrow War, The Forever Purge, um, uh, Black Widow, which is uh, streaming uh, starting tomorrow, July the 9th, uh, same day as Fear Street uh, Part 2. So guys, check that out and then listen to our review. Uh, Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, False Positive, The Novice, uh, Wolfgang, Werewolves Within, lots of stuff. Um the aforementioned Untitled Movie Podcast, um, our 94th draft is up right now. It's kind of our film festival preview recap episode where we talk about Tribeca and Cannes and the upcoming Toronto International Film Festival. Um, we also talk about uh, a plethora of other things like movie trailers, um, CGI and movies, uh, Eric's. Uh, saw no sudden move so we talked about his impressions of that so there's lots of stuff over on the 94th draft over on the untitled movie podcast channel Uh, our third channel is called untitled movie conversations we have a new conversation up with the um with phantom city creative uh justin erickson and Paige reynolds uh talking about uh, a decade of making movie art uh how their process is their favorite movie posters and uh so much more um Please go subscribe or, or follow whatever the hell it is on Letterboxd, Untitled <laughs> Podcast. Uh, all of our uh, reviews and lists and uh, social links and everything is over there. So it's kind of a hub for everything Untitled Movie Podcast. So go uh, check that out, Untitled Podcasts on Letterboxd for Untitled underscore cast on all those other social medias. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social media is at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. <laughs> Spunkmeyer. <laughs>